Hello, world, and welcome to episode 35 of the Pink Bike Podcast. I'm your host, as sometimes, Mike Levy, and we got a bit of a special episode today, Stranger Than Fiction. Now, if you spend enough time in the forest, you are bound to hear or see something that gives you the heebie-jeebies. Maybe it's a set of eyes that followed you, or maybe you're convinced that those eyes belong to Bigfoot, like me. <laughs> Were those lights you saw just a drone? Or was it an alien ship from Alpha Centauri? Hmm. Today, I've got Mike Casimer, Brian Park, and a special storytime guest, R.C. Richard Cunningham. And our question today for our podcast, what have you guys seen during a mountain bike ride that was stranger than fiction? And today, we're going to start off with Kaz, because Kaz, you've been riding for 20-odd years, and you seem to ride, I don't know, two or three times a day. I'm sure you've seen some weird shit in the bush. Can you just start us off with your alien abduction story? Unfortunately, I don't have any alien abduction stories. I know oh. it seems weird that I haven't gotten abducted before, but I've got some strange-ish stories. I'd say they're they're maybe not stranger than fiction, but I've had some weird things happen. So No aliens. What does it involve? No aliens. Well, let's see. Well, I'm not convinced that he's telling the truth. Maybe the aliens told him something that keeping him from telling us about it well they erase yeah. your memory that's part of the thing you know mm -hmm. it's true so it's possible i don't remember my abduction but as far as i can most people don't call, for the record yeah i know seriously yeah <laughs> i'll look i'll look more into that so <laughs> i'm not joking <laughs> so at, at some point i was abducted by aliens but since i can't remember that's gonna be a boring story so i do have a story where it was this probably happened I don't know, six or seven years ago i was out in the woods by myself not too far from town but you know a decent way in the woods maybe five mile approach or so i was taking some pictures of a bike for review so i had my camera on a tripod standing there in the woods camera's pointing up the trail i've got my bike on the ground behind me i just getting everything set up and i see a guy walking down just hiking he's got a backpack on probably in his you know 20s or 30s just kind of a normal looking guy and then as he gets closer he sees the camera and he just loses it like just says what are you doing you taking pictures of me who sent you here just super paranoid just comes up tries to grab the camera i was like no like i'm not taking pictures of you i'll show you and like i I you know, pushed the uh, display button on the back of the camera so I could show that there's no pictures of him, just pictures of bikes. And he's just going crazy. Just, Were you worried just me. for your physical I was. Safety? I was afraid I was going to get stabbed, for yeah. sure. Yeah, because he was, I mean, about the same size as me, but still, I don't usually stab people, so I'm not sure what happens when... Yeah. So <laughs> I, think I know what happens when you get stabbed. Nothing. Well, exactly. Happens. Yeah. But I didn't know, like, I don't usually fight either. So I was like, but I was definitely had my fight response going. So I was just like, no, man, I wasn't doing anything. Like, chill. I'm just on a hiking trail, public, like hiking, biking trail, totally allowed to be here. And he's just losing the plot. And so finally I just like, was like, Hey, just keep going. Like didn't take pictures of you. Like, let's just separate. And he starts walking past me. And then, you know, I'm just looking at the camera and he grabs my bike and hops on it. And it was just, cause my bike was about 10 feet behind me. He hops on and starts riding down the trail on my bike. So I chased him. What? <laughs> yeah. So I chased him, pushed you him off the You didn't know bike. this guy before. Complete stranger. No, never seen this guy at all. Just a random stranger who thought I was taking pictures of him and got super paranoid because, I don't know, he was super paranoid. And so he's on my bike riding down the trail. And luckily, he wasn't a good rider. So I grabbed, like, chased after him, pushed him off the bike, grabbed the bike, and was like, get out of here, just like yelling at him. And then he, like, started walking down the trail. So I just waited, like, 20 minutes. Wait, wait. I have questions, Kaz. Uh -huh. So you, like when you push this guy, did he crash? And then. Yeah, he didn't like, wasn't, he didn't crash super hard. He like fell on his side and I grabbed the bike because he wasn't going that fast when I caught to, caught up to him. Yeah. So I was able to like to knock him off and grab the bike and then In help the bike. Do you think he was actually trying to steal your bike? Yeah, but not, I think he was just trying to mess with me. I think he was so apparent. I'm sure he probably like, in all reality, he probably had some mental issues and just was. 
I was going to say, what are the chances that you are taking photos quite close to somebody's grow up? No, uh, this is like state land, like super public yeah, area. Yeah, nobody's There's, ever grown weed on. State no, no, land. but this like, but you would grow, grow farther out if yeah, you were this to would do be that. A, not that I would know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it wasn't like a grow up. He was more like a maybe like a homeless guy that liked hiking type of thing. I think I might know what's going on there. Did you ever read that book? Uh, Christopher Knight, the guy that lived in the bush for like 20 or 30 years in Maine. Oh yeah, about the hermit. Maybe he was, maybe he was like the person living in the bush maybe. and he hadn't seen anybody in 20 years. He comes out, sees this weird looking dude on some weird bike and a camera. Yeah. What would you think? Yeah. What bike was it? You know, I don't even remember. It was so long ago and it was just a review bike, but like that's the whole reason I was there to take pictures for my job. I was so dedicated. <laughs> I had to fight this guy and get the bike back. <laughs> So that's that, but that was pretty strange. And definitely after that, I was like a little shook up. Like that was weird. I'm gonna go home. Like for the record, anybody who sends us a review bike and we're taking photos of it, and some sketchy guy steals it, I'm not risking getting diseases or stabbed. But I just hate walking so much. Yeah, I mean, it's fair enough. Out. (laughs) Yeah, you're not required to get the bike back, man. (laughs) That would be the worst way to get hepatitis. It's we're true. by ourselves yeah. in the middle of nowhere for so long. If, you know, I mean, if you think of all the time you, you ride compared to, you know, riding with people, you know, with other riders, most of the time we were solo and there's nothing. You're like, there's no, there's no way you can scream in the middle of the woods and have somebody come up and help you. Right. Especially Casimir. I know that both of us, we like to ride alone. And a lot of times we like to ride far and long and we could get way out there. Have you ever, Kaz, I have a semi-related question. When you ride, would you ever take, not, I don't want to use the word weapon, but like a, a self-defenser of some kind with you? No, not really. Like I know people that do ride with guns or especially people in like bear country ride with guns, but I don't bring anything with me. Like it's, yeah, you know, I'll just deal with it if it happens. Like, I mean, maybe if I was in grizzly country, I would consider yeah. a gun because grizzlies are scary. But yeah. um, otherwise, no, I just, I could yeah. deal. I'll just pick my bike up and make myself look big or whatever. Well, there was this, that actually reminds me of a story. Yes. RC story yeah. time. <laughs> so, so I, I'm famous for disappearing for like hours at a time and, and exploring and stuff. And before cell phones, you know, when you're out there, you're just out there. So I was actually on about, it's about a 60 mile loop from where I lived. And half of it was in the mountains. And I was in a, where Troy Lee made all of his trails, actually, but it was before he had, he had and his friends had done it. And it's going up this pass. And as I entered into the mountains, there's a uh, about a mile or two into the trail, there's a low rider with a three guys that looked like they could have been gangbangers and stuff. And they had a whole bunch of targets and televisions and stuff. And they were shooting at all the beer bottles and stuff. And it's it's actually gang members life. need to practice too. Come on. Well. This is what's funny about it is they, they were shooting with uh, like fully automatic weapons at targets that were like 25 yards away and they were missing. So I, I just thought it was a joke, you know? <laughs> okay, so I'm riding my bike and I'm going up these switchbacks one after another and I'm just grinding up and all of a sudden bullets start coming over the top of my head and I'm like, whoa. These guys turned around and unloaded full auto, AK-47, just... And if anybody has been on the on the on the receiving end of bullets they're supersonic and they make these little pops as they go over and so it's just like popcorn and stuff so rc i just want to ask 
Do you remember what colors you were wearing? Maybe you were wearing the wrong colors. Well, this is back in the day when full spandex was considered cool. So I'm talking, you're looking like a road. <laughs> That's why they were yeah. shooting at you. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm really pissed. So I, I, I look, I'm lying on the ground on my stomach. My bike is about 20 yards or 20 feet behind me. And bullet, bullets are just pounding off the rocks and stuff. Just They're just mowing. And I'm thinking, I, I'm so mad. I'm looking for rocks. I want to roll this big rocks down the hill because I'm right above them. And I'm thinking, well, then what am I going to do? Because they, they're in a car. They could chase me up the hill and I can only climb at 10 miles an hour. So I just, I'm like angry. I want to kill them. And on the other hand, I want to stay alive. So I just crawl on my stomach. And as I'm crawling, every once in a while, they see like my ass stick up and the bullets move towards me. And I just kept crawling until I was out of range or they ran out of bullets. And that then I had to crazy. It was, <laughs> RC, it was they were really trying crazy. to kill you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what the shit? Were, were they trying to kill you or were they trying to scare you, do you think? Like, were they just well, playing? If I was standing up, I would be dead. There was just, I mean, literally, that's a lot of, I mean, three guys unloading on you with full auto that's a lot of bullets going over your top anyway i was i was like i climbed really fast i was so pumped with adrenaline that when i finally got out of range i was gone did i just want to point out that before we started recording this podcast rc was like oh yeah it'd be awesome i might have a story but i don't know i'm kind of having trouble thinking of too many weird things in the woods (laughs) he actually said i don't really have anything to talk about bullshit (laughs) so rc did you tell the police about this did you say anything to anybody or is this like a gang code of silence thing what happened to go back down, I would have to negotiate with my assassins. So I, there's there's no cell phones at this particular time. And so I had to continue to climb. It's about a 10-mile climb to the ridge, and then it's another was another 15 miles of trails and stuff to get back down to civilization. So by the time I got there, I'd be in a different county, and the police would go, oh, yeah, we'll write a report. See you later, kid. Jesus. That's quite the story. I'm glad you survived your... Attack. Yeah. <laughs> Great. All uh, the rest of our stories are going to yeah, be so, like, ah, so okay. <laughs> One I, time there was a scary guy. <laughs> I do enjoy how casual you seem to be about this. Like, I might not have ever gone out there ever again. I don't know. Like, maybe you stumbled upon some people burying bodies or something. I have no idea what's going on. That seems, <laughs> that seems ridiculous. RC, before we started... You also mentioned something about a car chase, and we said, stop, 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 stop. save it for the podcast. <laughs> now now go. Okay, so this you got to go back a little while, ways uh, to when I was in high school. Cause Big Bear is now, you know, they have World Cups there. They've got a really good, uh, well, sort of good, two, some good uh, ride parks and stuff. But back then, it was just mainly trails and stuff, and but I worked at the ski areas up there during high school. I used to hitchhike up to Big Bear from uh, Orange County during the weekends to make extra money. And so I know the roads perfectly. I can ride them rain or shine. I mean, I can drive them rain or shine them and uh, pretty fast. I know every corner. So fast forward to mountain biking it's many years later. And I've got this friend and he's, he is the, he's bless his soul. He died of cancer a while ago, but at the time we, um, we rode mountain bikes together, and he's the opposite of me. He's he's not sarcastic. He meditated every day. He believed in what he said. He never lied. He never exaggerated. He became a doctor to serve humanity. And, and 
he's just the nicest guy in the world. And he wanted to ride the trails of Big Bear, which I was very familiar with. So at the time, I I couldn't afford, I was building bicycles at the time, and I couldn't afford a a van or a big-ass truck or what everybody uses these days. So I bought station wagons, used, because nobody wanted them. Teenagers never drove them. So you get low-mile station wagons and lock your stuff in them. And the particular one I had we called Ranchita Verde, and she was a big-ass Chevy with a moon, the, the Starship Enterprise-type rear door, electric door. She weighed a you know, 1,000 pounds more than the average car, but uh, handled great because it had the trailer towing package on it. So you could just rip on this thing. And so I put good tires and good brakes on it, and so... We're taking Ranchita Verde up the mountain, and I'm showing off to Arch, and Arch is pretty quiet. He doesn't like to go fast. He doesn't break the law. And uh, we're just going around the corner. So halfway up the mountain is this little tiny town, and it's got one donut shop in it. And I was pissed off because I was behind like seven cars, and I was like, God, i got to pass them. So just before the town there's a passing lane and i went probably 100 miles an hour and i passed all seven cars and pulled in so here i am in the middle of the city with a 35 mile an hour speed limit and i passed the highway patrol that was just leaving the donut shop and his lights came on and i thought f i'm gonna get a ticket i thought and then look behind me and while he was stuffing down the last bit of his donut all seven cars passed him and it's two lanes there. And I thought, okay, if I gas it, he's going to have to pass seven cars. That'll give me one minute. And if we get to Rim of the World Highway, I can hold my own there. And when we get to the dam, the road splits in two. So it's 50-50. If he thinks I went right and makes a mistake, I'm in. If he goes left, the chase is on. Now, the problem with with trying to beat the highway patrol in the chase game is there's no there's no prize for second place except for prison and probably unconsciousness because before back then they didn't have the rule where the person that was chasing you couldn't do the arrest because they would just beat you up when they got there so i said i think i could beat him and arch goes no 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 let's just stop and get the ticket and i said no no we got this if we get to the rim of the world and we got a minute ahead of them i'll at the split the dam i can win this so I just hit it. Now we're going probably, we're just mocking down the road, but Rim of the World Highway is famous because it's four lanes. It is this gigantic arc, about an eight-mile arc, where you can see the entire highway, and every single corner is banked. It's like Talladega. It's like, it's like NASCAR. And we're even Steven. He's got a police cruiser. It's got the same suspension package I have. We have both have five liter V8s. We're both long wheelbase four doors. We both know the road like the back of their hands. So I figured he's not going to be able to gain on me. So I'm drifting flat out at every turn. I mean, this thing is just literally passing cars. We're, and I'm looking back and you could see him and he could see me. And every time we come around the corner, I'd, I'd say, Arch, Arch. How, how much we got? How much we got? And he goes, we're still a mile ahead. We're still a mile ahead. And I said, okay. And, he, and he's just, I looked at him and, and he had this pale expression on his face. He looked like a ghost. And so we're, it's, it's do or die. Now I've got to, I've got to stay on it. So I'm driving like the wind. My hands are starting to get, get sweaty and stuff. And I think, 
he's going to go right. I'm going to go left. So we get to the dam and I drift around the corner. I'd run the stop sign and we go down to this little tiny campground that nobody goes to. And I pull off, I disappear so I can see the road, but he can't see me. And we wait. And then I see the light. I like how this is a car chase podcast now. Could this be a car podcast now? I just had to interrupt and say that. <laughs> I do like how RC's story is about outrunning cops. Continue, RC. <laughs> this is way better than bikes, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> so across the across the the, the across the, the lake in Big Bear, I see this this the light and I hear the siren and I go, and Neil goes, What do we do? I said, Well, it looks like we're gonna go ride. And that's it. So then you went for a ride after outrunning the cops. Yeah. Well, that could not be better. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I have a hot tip for you, RC. You could, you don't have to turn your car off if you pull your e-brake just like a touch up. It will turn the lights off. The lights won't run on the car anymore, like because it thinks you're parked or something. I don't know if this is just in the particular car that I was driving at the time when someone was following me at a high <laughs> speed. But hot tip out there for everybody. Then they can't see your taillights. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez, Brian. Wow. I'm looking. <laughs> yeah, just follow that up, Brian. Yeah, go ahead, really Brian. Quick. Yeah, there's one time that's just like I had got a weird feeling on a ride, and then I went home. Well, I see yeah. on your list here you have something called the Leathery Man, and that sort of sounds kind of creepy. It sounds like a weird independent horror movie. Yeah, sorry, an independent what movie, Levy? Horror movie. <laughs> sorry, can you say that again? Horror movie. Okay. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> um that one it, I, it's not really me um it's a secondhand story because i missed the leathery man by about five minutes but it's a story worth telling because it's the weirdest it's so weird so back in 2013 2014 i'm see i'm not gonna admit to any felonies in this in this story so it's just boring not, yeah i know right typical brian <laughs> i know <laughs> Um, I worked for Rocky Mountain Bicycles at the time and we were shooting a video for plus the plus bike, uh, bike packing bike called the Sherpa. I was like, a, that is super weird. You're right. You yeah. guys should know that. End of story. <laughs> you know what? That, I think that was a really cool project because it was just a concept bike that, you know, there was a small production run, but it was cool. It was like, that kind of made sense for plus, for plus bikes. Just, just a, a bike to go and scrabble around with with bags on you weren't worried about handling or corners you were just just having fun with a loaded up bike and they were pretty comfy it was fun let's not be serious about this back to leather i know i know so we were filming a video and uh the it was we brought a bunch of free riders down to arizona and we're filming a bike packing trip with uh i don't do you guys know know brian verner the he's like a filmmaker from la really cool guy good name and um I was in a support truck with uh, Christoph Noel from a, a big truck. I don't know. It was like a big fancy uh, AEV, some sort of overland truck thing. And we'd like coordinated where we were going to meet them to, to do some, some shooting and some equipment stuff. And so we'd, I'd grabbed a bunch of like 
beers and and coolers and stuff and we were meeting them out gonna meet them in the middle of the desert and we knew we had a gps on them we knew where they were gonna be and so we're trying to get in to try and find them and it was kind of we kind of had to hurry because if they got past us we wouldn't have been able to get a hold of them and so we're hustling a bit we get there and we get there just like two minutes before them and before it was like wade wade simmons jeff gulovich alex cogger the product manager product director at rocky and dre was dre there i think dre was there andreas hessler andreas hessler yeah um and Not when did the guns in the car chase start yeah well in a second huh. so get there they they arrive and they're like holy shit did you see him see who we just <laughs> they'd just been stopped and a man had just he was coming up on them on out in the middle of nowhere arizona uh, on a on a old old specialized epic he's just riding and they didn't think much of it they could see him in the distance coming coming they look up again they realize he's buck naked he's the leatheriest buckest nakedest nakedest man just riding in the like noontime burning arizona heat so no chamois no no no, no <laughs> literally no. He, had, he had clipless shoes what a wild man no chamois <laughs> he's crazy clipless. as shit <laughs> what about <Yeah>. his gooch <laughs> leather he was just made of leather. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> and and he just like apparently said, hey, and just kept riding. But they didn't even have time to get out the cameras. So no evidence. Just a leathery naked man in the woods. Just a leathery naked man in the Arizona desert. No woods. Just That's nudist. my retirement plan. Yeah, I'm going to do that when I'm old. Just... He's a nudist who likes to go shredding. I don't see the problem, anybody. Yeah. 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 I wouldn't want hey. to sit on my sit on my twig and berries though. That's the only thing. I, I would still wear a chamois. <laughs> would you still use that Tioga saddle? Uh, oh, oh the cheese grater Tioga saddle? Maybe <laughs> not. <laughs> that wouldn't be good. <laughs> it's just extruding your balls. Yeah, oh. I would have to tape. Anyways, never mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> huh. Well, I was I was laughing because Arizona had a. Uh, I mean, Arizona is full of leathery old men. I mean, I'd fit in very well there. But during that particular time. There was it was you. Movement. It was you all along. <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there was actually a uh, there is actually a, a a movement in Arizona to to ride naked. So you'd be you know somewhere out in the middle of the backcountry. You'd Wait, be like stop four riders. Stop RC. Stop. Pause. Rewind. There's a movement in Arizona to ride naked. There was actually. Uh, uh, there was actually a thing in Arizona where people would ride naked and, and you'd see them on the trail occasionally, like in groups of two or three. And they were the classic Arizona riders, like skinny as a rail, wrinkles all over their, their faces and bodies and male and female look, look pretty much the same, you know, except for a couple of parts. And you just, just sun like, damaged. They'd be gone. That's pretty good. Yeah. Our next field test to Arizona, we should go on some rides. Would <laughs> you ride with me naked, Cass? Oh, 100%. Yeah. 100% you ride with me naked? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It'd be great. It'd be so funny. How do you do it? Yeah. Yeah, me, me too. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. have you ever been to like a nude beach in like Hawaii and seen how wrinkly and leathery people are? It's so funny. No, I haven't. It's the funniest thing. You should do it sometime. Levy just yeah. got so uncomfortable. <laughs> no, he's worried. <laughs> okay, on that note. So I don't, I don't have any stories where I've been shot at with an AK-47. 
Uh, nothing naked in my bike stories. Um, I did find a dead body. Well, I didn't find a dead body, but we came across there was an incident. But nobody wants to be the guy. We're like, woo, dead body story. So we're going to skip that one. But I did have this... <laughs> I did have this super weird thing one time where a tree almost killed my dog and I. So we were up riding on Vetter Mountain, my home mountain, riding a trail that I rode probably 10 times a week. Um, And I had my dog with me, a Shiba Inu, and we're coming down the trail. It's a fairly fast section. She's behind me and I hear this noise. It sounds like what a landslide would sound like. If you were about to be buried, that's what it sounded like. Just like, like I thought I was going to be killed. So I just let off the brakes and it was about a 200 foot long or 300 foot long section of trail that I turned into about 500 feet because I was too scared to even slow down to make the corner. Just literally went through the trees and didn't like kind of crashed and like stood up and like I was fully expecting to get killed by I have no idea what like literally a landslide that's what I thought it was and I turn around and the noise is gone my dog isn't there and I'm looking up the trail and I see absolutely nothing and then my dog comes flying out of nowhere just covered in dust and dirt and leaves and runs right past me and this is a Shiba Inu that doesn't run like I've, I've seen her run maybe like three times, not when she's chasing a bird in her entire life. She'd rather not is this, run. Is this Sherpa? Yeah, this is my Sherpa Aww. dog before she Aww. lost her eyeballs. <laughs> this is where could, <laughs> we, this she could still see when I used to take her riding. And uh, I'm like, what? I'm freaked out. Like goosebumps. I felt like a car just almost hit me, like that kind of feeling. And I drop my bike and I walk back up the trail. I don't see anything. I don't see anything. And right in the middle of this section, there's this little gap that you don't even see. It's like four or five feet. There's a little like trail gap thing. And a tree, I don't know, it might have been 80 or 90 feet tall, had fallen down perpendicular to the trail right across the gap jump. And if I had been, I don't know, five seconds later, the tree would have fallen directly on me and it was big enough. It probably would have killed me. I mean, it almost killed my dog. I don't know how close it was to her, but it sounded like it was on me. So that was pretty fucking weird. So it fell, it fell like across the trail, not right. long way. So it wasn't like Prometheus school of running away from things. Like you just, no. <laughs> you could have just taken one step to the right and it would have been fine. Uh, no, but I didn't have time to even turn around or think. It was just like ride, normal riding noises, air rushing past your ears. And then it sounded like, <laughs> like it sounded like death. And I went to go look at this tree. It, it fell over. It wasn't cut. It was just some final destination shit boys has anybody have you guys ever had a ride where something was very weird and not right and then you just you couldn't pin it out couldn't pin it down and just chalk it up to just oh that was weird and move on i'm pretty good in the backcountry with maps and stuff and i i save maps from like many years ago because a lot of times they take the trails off to make it easier to maintain them because they're not there. So big, big money saver there for the Forest Service. But anyway, I had been working on this route. This is my fourth ride in. It took seven rides to put together the whole route because some of the trails were gone and I had to wait for fires to, to um, reveal them again. 
So now I'm about halfway out. I'm in an area in the Los Padres Mountain solo with no. You had once you're in, you gotta you gotta continue because there's the terrain there is so steep that you can't just say, okay, I'm gonna walk to the top of that ridge and find out where I am. So I'm, I'm looking at my map and everything lines up. There's the right mountain is to the north. The the canyon goes to the to the uh, south. Everything on the map was exactly right. I got my waypoint correct. There was a tiny little uh, brick, I mean, a rock house about a mile down the ravine I was on. Everything was right except for the creek was flowing in the opposite direction, which is impossible. And I'm, it was the first time I was disoriented. I'm looking at the map, and I'm checking all my bearings with my compass. I mean, this is serious because I'm halfway in. It's a 12-hour a ride, so... So I'm halfway in, and so there's, if I'd have to backtrack, which means which meant some serious climbing and stuff. So I, I'd be coming out at night without lights. So I'm kind of a uh, at this thing, and I, I'm looking, and I'm just going, it can't be true. The, the creek can't go the other. And for the first time in my life, I, I felt disoriented. I mean, I I was like, I felt like I was a foot off the ground, and I was just hovering in the air, like whoa. I had no bearings, I had no sense of direction, whatever, and I'm like. Hey, 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 something's so I I backtracked, which is if you're gonna get lost, remember to going back is always the easiest. So I backtrack a little a ways back and I started following the map, and it turned out that on the map, my waypoint, the little campsite with a with a rock house, was wrong. They just printed it in the wrong place. And it took a it took a while. I had go back and I come back and I look at and I triangulate the whole thing. But what's what's weird is that the terrain was exactly the same. So I found my way back to the correct trail, and I went to this next creek junction. And if you had taken a Polaroid camera, because or or a, a cell phone camera, and taken a picture of both things, it would be almost identical. And I did get back to my truck at zero dark thirty. But yeah, RC, have you ever thought? That you might be in big, big trouble out there. Was that the was that the worst of the times that you thought you were in trouble, or because we know you like to do those, those, those death rides? No, there's been a there's been a number of rides where I I had to actually wait for like there's a particular time when it gets dark where there's it's it, there, there's not enough light to see, but it's still too much light to to find to actually find your way around. So I've had to actually wait until dusk mm-hmm. for the for the light to start coming up to to come out and you just sit there and and huddle. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. But I, bring, I always have a cigarette lighter now in my uh, in my pack right. so I can start a fire. <laughs> yeah, I've never I've never been really worried on a bike. Most of our bike trails are, they're just that, they're exactly bike trails. So if you're on the trail, it's like you sort of know where you are for the most part. Definitely hiking. There's been times where I've been like, well, this, I don't want to be that guy, but maybe. What about you, Kaz? Have you ever been lost, lost? Uh, I would say one time I've been lost, lost. It was on skis though. But Oh, that's more serious. Time. That's even, yeah. that's even more serious. This is back before most people had cell phones. It's like early 2000s and we went up to this mountain pass and I was like I looked at a map and I was like oh I think this run will take us right down to this dirt road we can skin out the dirt road hit the highway hitch back up it's going to be great so we drop in have a sweet run 
find where I think is a dirt road and take it. And it doesn't go anywhere near where I thought it. And then it started getting dark and darker and we're like pretty deep in the woods. Like luckily I know there's a highway somewhere around here, but if you look at a map, the way that the highway switchbacks back and forth, it'd be easy to miss one of those turns and just keep going down the wrong drainage. So we also got lucky that it was a full moon night. So the, it's getting darker and darker, but the, the moon does come up and there's snow. So it's pretty bright because I don't think we had a headlamp. I had a compass and a map. I don't think I had a headlamp. I was like partially prepared. Yeah. So I, I knew that the road should be to the south of us. So I just took my compass out and we started heading south whenever possible. And then I like it probably took us three hours to figure out how to get out. We finally came across this rise and saw the highway below us. We we're able to get out to the highway and hitchhiked. And we ended up eight miles from the top from where we dropped in. Like Ooh. Eight miles down the road. We went solid far. run, Cass. Solid run. <laughs> <laughs> solid run. <laughs> and so we hitchhiked back up and then uh yeah, and then got my buddy's truck and drove back to town and binged on McDonald's and I don't know we were really that friendly after that. Because it was it was strange, but uh it was yeah, that's the most lost. Like if we we couldn't have spent the night, we could have, but like it would have been scary. And we also thought like we really didn't want Mountain Rescue to come find us because we were no. super embarrassed if like the rescue team came. So mm-hmm. We just kept moving and doing some things wrong, some things right. But yeah, that's the most where I was like actually legit lost. Yeah. You also have another story. It involves a plane crash. It's pretty good. Yeah, this one is kind of strange. This is this is mountain bike related. Actually happens in a similar zone to where I saw the, the crazy guy. But um, yeah, just one morning just out for a normal ride, pedaling up the fire road and get to the last switchback. And all of a sudden I see caution tape. I'm like, that's kind of weird. What's that? Go a little closer. And there's just plane parts everywhere. Like a full, like a Cessna had gone down the night before or yeah, I think it was the night before. And then it was right in the middle of the road and the plane had kind of come in and hit the trees and just exploded basically. So there was like the pilot's log was hanging from some of the trees. There's engine parts, Whoa. one side wings and other goosebumps. It was pretty creepy. Goosebumps. Yeah. It was super, do you super know surreal. if, do you know if they survived or was it a fatal? No, they didn't survive. He had a heart attack. The person that was flying, he was like transporting it came in too low because of his heart attack and crashed. Yeah. Um, and I was just by myself. So it was one of those weird things like, oh, that's really strange. And it was snowy. So like no cars had really been going up there because it was, right. the road was closed for traffic. But yeah, it was yeah. pretty weird. One of my favorite hikes around here is up Mount Celesi where a plane crashed in the late 50s. And I want to say mm-hmm. either either 50 some odd people died or like 60 some odd people died. I don't quite remember which. But anyways, there's... It was a big passenger plane and it had some uh, CFL for everybody wondering. That's the Canadian Football League. It had some of some CFL players on it, crashed. Everybody on board died. And now there's this pretty neat hike that goes up to where it hit this rock face. And I tell you guys, like going up there, I got, I got goosebumps right now just thinking about it. Every time I go up there, it's just like this very like super serious sort of place. Oh, man. This is flight 810. Near Chilliwack. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking that that was, that this was the B-52 bomber crash site near, no. um, near. No, I haven't gone there yet. I can't wait oh, to go it's, to that one. It's incredible. It's actually, this is, sorry, again, not a bike related story, but it's one of the few times I've thought I was in real trouble. Um, we were doing a film shoot for, uh, for Indochino, which is like a, I don't know. It's like. Those are baller suits. Expensive fancy ones. <laughs> no, they're, they're like cheap. Cheap made to measure suits, um, and oh, the their ad campaign for this was uh, oh man, uh, I can't wait for the roasting on this. It was suit your selfie, was their ad campaign that I was helping. Mm. With? <laughs> <laughs> is, that, is that your idea, Brian? No. No. Genius. <laughs> no. no, it was not. I think it was. 
Nelson Malik. Many you might remember him. He's a used to be a mountain bike photographer, and now he does real person grown up things. Anyway, so we were up there shooting with a with a soccer player, and there was four people and a or six people in a four person helicopter, and so we'd done two trips up, and it's like one p.m. Supposed to be nice all day, getting all the shots we need, and at like two thirty. It was so crazy how fast fog rolled in and it was just like clip. What oh mountain? man, we are. What uh, mountain was this, Brian? Plenipane Peak. So it's like somewhere near here. It's right by the 52 bomber crash site, okay. B-52 bomber crash site. So that it, we were at the bomber site. So it, it's crazy. It's super spooky because you've got, it was in, it's sometime in the war that a B-52 bomber went down. Yeah, go ahead, RC. So, so when... Let's go back to the fog. So when it fogged in, the helicopter can't come up and get you. Yeah, no, exactly. So the heli's with us, but there's six of us and four, only four people can fit in the heli. And yeah, it can't take off because for those of you who don't know, if you're if a helicopter can't see what which way is up, it immediately just falls out of the sky. Um, <laughs> Helicopters, <laughs> like, man. Those yeah, things. They no shouldn't way. Exist. No they way. Shouldn't <laughs> exist. Uh, it says... I'm just looking it up right now. It says that it was... 1963? No, that's sorry. U.S. This is a different one. Uh, There's a legend about the B-52 bomber crash site here in in B.C. that it it was carrying a bunch of Nazi gold. Um, That one's probably not true. Can I just interrupt for one second? The plane that crashed into Celeste was apparently also carrying gold. Does every crash in the mountains have fucking gold (laughs) on it? What the heck? Exactly. (laughs) Anyways, keep going. Uh, Oh, sorry. When I say B-52, it's a B-25. Also big. Yeah. So, yeah, Mitchell B-25 crash site. Yep, that's it. Just looking at an article now. It crashed in 1953. Anyways, it's up there. It's it's very, very spooky. You see all the, pr- the prop and all these things sticking out of the wreckage. And, and uh, there's a bit of snow on the ground. So, freaky kind of place. And we got all the shots. Everything's good. Fog comes in. Pilot's like, oh, yeah, we're... We're, we're grounded until this lifts, but it's supposed to lift soon. Like this isn't, this is pretty mellow. Like we'll be fine. But then like five hours later, it still hadn't lifted. So it was like, it was in the summer. So we had until like light until yeah, seven or eight. And at like six o'clock, we, we used my beacon to, to let our like partners and spouses know that, Hey, we might have to spend the night up here. (laughs) Just FYI, like not going to be home for dinner. And, uh, and there was a small break that we could see coming our way. And, um, so we packed all the things into the heli and that we needed to get out. And then we left all of the gear for two of us to, to spend the night on the mountain if they couldn't get back. So me and the photographer Nelson were just like, I had some backcountry stuff. I had like a little tarp and a sleeping bag and it was probably not going to die kind of thing. But it was like, okay, this is a bit nerve wracking. And oh, and on the way in, we'd seen we'd seen some bears down below, some some grizzlies down below. And so we're like, okay, this is a bit a bit sketch. And they take off as soon as the break happens, and then we just wait. We're like, ten minutes goes by. We're like, oh fuck, hmm, are they gonna come back? Like, can we? He- we'll hear them first, and the fog comes back in a little bit. So we're like, okay, like we might not be getting this. And then we hear them, and buddy puts the heli down like he comes in super close to the mountain i guess to like see 
puts down. We jump, put our stuff in. It's, it's almost fully sucked in, but there's like a little window out and he's, the pilot's been so pro about like getting all everything checked and everything latched and blah, 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 before taking off ahead of time. But this time we get in the moment the doors latched, like we weren't strapped in headsets weren't on nothing. He just like, he doesn't take off. He just like, falls off the mountain on this heli he just no, wanted to get thank there you so fast it was yeah it was something man and uh yeah i'm glad i didn't have to spend the night up there with all the ghosts from the b25 crash and the grizzlies and stuff that would have been an amazing story to spend the night up there Oof, yeah it was heavy it was still like it's such a beautiful area up there above pit meadows yeah it, like that's a hike too eh? i've been meaning to go yeah. up there it's a big yeah, hike people, but yeah yeah or like one of those like Root finding people who are really hardcore go and do cool things not me has anybody uh discovered like a, a government site or a government secret that oh. nobody would like to know rc i've got a good one for you let's hear it i got a good one for you so you know that up above um rockville like the original rampage site they used to test uh rocket up there in that rocket launching facility. I forget the name of it, but it has a name like JPL or something was up there and some other companies have owned it. And it's actually one of the few private rocket testing facilities in the world. And a trail called Flying Monkey, I'm sure a lot of you have heard of it, is fairly sketchy trail. Uh, that actually comes down the side of the mesa where that rocket testing facility is. And the trail's called Flying Monkey because... Way back in the day, they used to test ejection seats there, and they would shoot these things off the side, the monkeys. Um, and even today, there's buildings sort of like hanging off the side of the mesa, uh, like sciency buildings and like big water towers and stuff. And so my buddy Wayne and I, we have been going to this place. I just want to say sciency buildings. What does a sciency building look like? <laughs> you know, they have like... They have like antennas and shit and like radio towers <laughs> Is it like stuff. a portable? Is it like a portable? Yeah, it's one of like those. Like a trailer? You know, yeah. sciency. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> so Wayne and I, we've been going to this area. Well, we went there for like 12 or 13 years, almost in a row to ride every winter. Um, and we would ride this trail all the time. And I like this kind of stuff, like, you know, government stuff and interesting things. And you could go right up to the fence and sort of look in. And uh, we never see anything. It's like nothing's going on. They stopped doing stuff there a long time ago. But they would test rockets there that go like, like, I don't know off the top of my head, Kaz is probably Googling it, but like 7,000 miles an hour, you know, like crazy stuff. And if you like some aeronautic history, like this is guy named John Paul Stapp, and he did a bunch of rocket test sled riding there that is just like insane. Anyway, so we're up there riding and uh, one of our buddies, he shuttles us up to ride Fly Monkey, drops us off. We start coming down the trail. Wayne and I were riding along and then we see this black helicopter. There's some sightseeing helicopters around there, so whatever. But this helicopter is very interested in us. And it's just sitting level with us, height-wise, but like two or three hundred feet out away from the Mesa. And it's watching us for like 10 or 15 minutes. And then it kind of goes away, kind of comes back, goes away, comes back. We finish our ride and we get down to the bottom. And our buddy at the bottom, Wes, says, before we can even say anything about the helicopter, he says, dudes, we were down, I was down here. And this black vehicle, big black van, pulled up behind me, right on my bumper on the side of this gravel road, didn't get out, didn't get anything, didn't say anything, windows too dark to see in it, and he sat there for 15 minutes or whatever, and then all of a sudden, just floored it, drove away. 
And I think that they were they were making sure we weren't messing around with rocket stuff. Maybe. I think it was just Derek Westerland film filming New World of Sort of Six, man. That's yeah. <laughs> it was just claw scoping you're, this next yeah, scope this next three sixty line. <laughs> yeah. There's some very cool history has happened at that place. And there's actually a trail higher up that takes a lot longer to get to that gives you a really good view of this old rocket testing facility that I think might still be active. But yeah, there you guys. That was that was a, my helicopter story. Yeah. That's yeah when I was a kid, the, like the, the original trails that I first started mountain biking on, they went to uh, the old Nike missile sites. Like they used to have Nike missiles in these Nike like, has missiles? Nike missiles, yeah, like a um, anti, um, it's like an anti nuke missile, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We th- we have those all over L.A. in Southern California. You can always tell because there's, they planted trees to disguise them, and they're the only trees growing on those hills. Mm-hmm. And this was like in the woods, but you come across, you'd be riding in the woods, and then there'd just be a huge concrete pad with the little tubes. You could like drop rocks in the the old missile down to the rockets. Like, yeah, <laughs> dropping rocks just, on rockets. It was pretty what weird. Could go yeah. wrong. <laughs> yeah. So. Have you ever been in one? I've never been in a no. Huh? You have to you have to break into them. But the Nike missile bases have a they have a the rocket launching tubes that you saw. They probably had water jets all around them on the inside where they where the rocket tubes are. It's rare that the rocket tubes are, are exposed because they usually fill them up with dirt. But anyway, there's always a water tank somewhere. And but down below, they have facilities to to uh, work on the rockets, and for a, a number of people, they've got showers. And we used to break into one um, in near uh, Berea in in Orange County, and uh, the lights still worked. Have you guys ever come across anything crazy abandoned in the bush? Any buildings or vehicles or anything like that? I got a story that that you're gonna like, but it's kind of it's kind of weird. It started out like another exploration, and by this time I had this uh, partner that I used to ride with named uh, Katrin, and she was the last person to um, stay with me on the exploration rides because we sometimes we were beating the bushes and carrying our bikes for hours, and all of my friends hate me now for that. But See, back we just to call that getting regood. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Have you guys exactly. ever gotten Riga? Has anybody you gotta, ever gotten You got to explain that inside story, Brian. Yeah. Okay. So Marcus Riga is a photographer here, good friend of a lot of ours. And, uh, and he's famous for just, yeah, good ideas or bad ideas that turn out to be good ideas, but sometimes they also turn out to be just really bad ideas. And he will always push harder to push through for the shot or the, the trip or whatever it is. And, you know, if it's like, I think we can get to the top of that ridge for sunset today. It's just, I don't know, four hours of hiking through a giant slash pile. Like, we've got this. Like, yeah, every time. Getting re So getting re is a thing here. So it started out we to go to an, an abandoned lookout site. And that was a bit of a slog. A lot of pushing through the brush and stuff. We got up there. And this is, isn't so creepy. It gets creepy later. But it was as if. We, we, uh, somebody had already broken in. They'd broken the glass in the corner. It, the tower overlooked all of the Los Padres Mountain. But when we got into it, I put my hand through the broken glass and opened the door. It was as if the fire people had left everything exactly how they were in the, in the late 1950s. There was all the charts, all the maps, the little, um, range finders. There was, Pictures of California condors. It was where there was more California condors before they got down to like three. 
and they had to be reintroduced. There's pictures of condors just sitting on the railings and stuff. And and uh, it, besides from all the, all the the rat turds and stuff, it you could have it was like they left work and they expected to be back to work, you know, the next week. And oh man, I love I love the slice of life stuff. There's a ton of abandoned mining stuff and ghost towns and things around in BC too. Um, shout out to my friend Mark Wilson, who is a huge, he loves all those things and loves finding. Let me just make sure I get the saying right. He loves shit that is too new to be history, but too old to be garbage. And it's like that right in between that slice of life. Like people just up and left and you see like little abandoned classrooms or abandoned kitchens and everything's just the way it was in 1950. It's such a cool slice of life. Why do you think we love that so much? I think we all like finding that stuff. It's like it's paused. Yeah. We like reading history about other civilizations and stuff like that. But if you think of our civilization, our civilization has a remarkable history. They say that, you know, thousands of years from now when there's no humans and dogs re-populate re- the planet, there's the big dams and stuff are still going to be there. They'll just be waterfalls filled They'll with They'll just mud. be run by dogs? No, but I mean, the, a, lot no. Of, a lot of our structures are going to look like new. And a lot of our structures will be gone. But back to this. So it was pretty cool to sit up there in a, in a chair that somebody had, had, you know, lived. They, they lived for like a week or, or two weeks at a time and they went down. There was there was only walking access to the top part of this trail. And and to, to sit in their seat and, and look at their view and realize that they actually signed up for this. Like it's like a, a landlocked island. So we ride back down and on the way down, we see this little tiny hole on the other side of the highway in the, in the mountain, it looked like a mine or something like that. And we're like, wow, what, what's in there? You know? So we ride back down and it took, took a while and we get across and I'm like, yeah, it's getting late. And we're thinking, shall we go check it out? And we're like, yeah, let's do that. So we went past all the no trespassing signs and the government property and all that stuff and, and climbed over the top and found a little crack that we could get through into this, into this tunnel. And, we had just this tiny little pen light, this emergency light that one of us kept. And it wasn't bright enough to really show what was going on. We walked down this tunnel, and we're going farther and farther in. It's just perfectly straight into the mountain. And we get about a quarter of a mile in, and there's this gasoline truck with a gasoline trailer, like a 40,000-pound gasoline trailer, stuck up against a concrete, you know, we're touching it. A concrete wall. We're like, what the F is this, you know? And so we're, it's like so strange. Why would somebody put a, a brand, you know, it, it was a aluminum gas trailer and gas tanker in there. And we're like, this is so strange. So was we're it just the trailer out, or did it also just the trailer? Truck. It was like, the it, trailer, yeah. like they, they couldn't take a big rig in there, but they got the whole trailer you know the gas tank trailer yeah or see did the did the cement wall look like like they've just put cement over the rock or did it look like a wall like there could be something on the other side full-on like high-tech construction concrete wall government like it had had reinforcement (laughs) stuff on it was made and and i'm like what the hell is this so we're on our way out you know looking for rattlesnakes and stuff because we're walking in complete darkness and I realized that that is, okay, so Los Angeles gets water from um, Northern California, a lot of it. 
and the, the last part of the of the aqueduct goes underground and it's a big tunnel and he, in between the the water goes pretty fast through this tunnel if you imagine if you shut a valve at the end of the tunnel and stop the water all of the inertia that 10 billion gallons of water it has going 40 miles an hour 20 miles an hour creates so much pressure that it would explode the aqueduct so they have these tubes that are like five you know 50 to 150 feet tall well actually more than 150 feet tall because they say you can put a battleship in them and the valves are on the other side of the tubes and they act like um they act like shock absorbers the water just when they shut the valve it just climbs up to the top of the tube and it and it takes the pressure off so on the way home i'm trying to think of what that is and i realize it's full of explosive we had 40,000 pounds of probably ammonia nitrate and diesel fuel with radio controlled detonators on it in case and they what had that to blow it was that that would be the expl- okay to blow up the uh, federal building in in uh, what was that Oklahoma that was just a 40 Econoline van with 255 gallon drums of the same stuff and we're talking about a 40,000 pound trailer Oof full of ammonium nitrate and diesel fuel with detonators on them and we were standing right next to it so that if if there was an earthquake which there's plenty in la and it closed off the aqueduct they could blow that and it would form a relief tube into the reservoir that, that was below just Jeez. super crazy that is that's, wild that's cool that's really cool rc wins the story telling contest <laughs> yeah. are all better than all of ours <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean he's had he's had some some time on us on this stuff like you know we were saying like oh all those things in the in the 50s like it was just like that it's cool history for us he's like wasn't that like last tuesday yeah <laughs> <laughs> so here's a story about another long ride and katrin of course because she was my last person to ride with and we decided to do this big 27 mile exploratory loop and i'm using 1957 maps because I wanted to go to this Indian, the Chumash Indian village, and check it out. So it, the trespassing was in, involved. So we climbed uh, for about four hours. We got to the top and we start, we snuck our way through a cattle a cattle ranch <laughs> to try not to get caught. And we didn't get caught. And the, on the descent, it was through a beautiful sandstone canyon. It looked like Japanese gardens with sandstone walls in between. And it was pretty hectic. The trails were overgrown and, and we were, it was really slow going. But as we got farther down the canyon, these giant redwood planks that were probably stolen from a mine or something like that. It was like the original skinnies that we were, we were able to ride over all the gullies on these redwood planks. And no one had been out here for years. I mean, like I, I would say 20 years at least, judging by the condition of the trail. And so we're, it's getting strange. It's like, so different compared to here. Like if a trail is left alone here for like 20 minutes, it's just boom, it's overgrown again. Oh, not, not when you're in the desert, if somebody makes a trail, it's, it's a scar on the earth forever. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've, I've ridden on mule, on mining mule paths in the desert that were in the, from the twenties, they still had iron rods in the side of the, of the, of the, rock where they put planks on and the mules would actually walk on these planks two hours later 
baby three, we finally get to the top of this climb near where the village is supposed to be. And here's this Honda Trail 90. Now, this is the classic toilet tank, pressed steel Honda that I think they call them Super Cubs at one time. It's like the most prolific motorcycle ever made. It's like and a it motorcycle perfect... with a capital M, right? Yeah. Like yeah. motorbike. Yeah. It's, like it's just the emoji bike. of a motorcycle. Yeah. yeah. It had the little, it had the little knee action forks on it and the, the, it was in perfect condition, except it was lying on its side. All the chrome on it was, was still shiny. I mean, this must've been the most, J Japan must've produced some high quality, but the, the, the bike hadn't been ridden or touched in at least 20 years. The tires are rotted off. They were just, you know, all ugly and stuff. But the metal, it, I mean, if you would put tires on it and filled it up with gas, you probably could have started it and, and driven it away. And it was just sat, originally it was on the center stand at the top of the hill. And and we figured that the person that used, that made that trail used to ride it quite often and ran out of gas and walked home and decided that someday they'd go over there and put some gas in it. And, and recover the motorcycle that had been sitting at the top of the hill for, for at least 20 years. And so Catherine and I were like, God, you know, this is really valuable. You know, it's a vintage bike now. Should we get it? And I said, nope. And I put put it back on the center stand and kind of moved it from side to side so it would be stable. And we and we rode away. It was like, you know, there's the village. The Chumash, every Chumash site I've ever visited has some sort of weird, weird, um, mojo happening and i figured that that was it it was just that's where that's where it died and that's where it's going to stay for the rest of its life rc that would have been not that you should have taken the motorbike i probably would have but not that you <laughs> should have taken the motorbike but that would have been if you s took the motorbike home restored it and were riding it around today that would have been even better <laughs> i feel like if you'd taken that motorbike and taken it home Many bad things would have happened to you. Cursed. Yeah, it would have been a cursed motorcycle. It's good that you just left it there. I'm looking right now because all of a sudden now I want a Trail 90 again. <laughs> and they're going in for, in Canada for like a good one in good shape running and semi-restored or low, you know, low miler for four grand. That is too much money for a Honda Trail 90. Yeah. But I mean... Like I said, every every Chumash site I've ever gone to has had some weird things. In fact, that time when I was disoriented, I was going to, to find uh, some Chumash paintings, uh, which is that we're around the halfway point. RC, all the time that you've been out there riding, what about animals? A lot of them. I was, okay, so uh, where I live, a lot of the ranches used to be old Mexican grants, and so they're huge. They're they're as large as, as Rhode Island in some cases. So Irvine used to be a Me uh, Mexican land land grant, and it goes from the coast 20 miles inland to the 91 freeway. And it's been piecemealed up and developed, but uh, largely it was patrolled, and the only way that you could ride illegally without having to, to get accosted i've been caught there many times by cowboys and ranchers and stuff is at night and i used to go out there with headlights or on full moon rides and do like 30 mile loops and so i'm coming down the mountain it's with headlights and i come around a, a switch a switchback and now honestly if you look 
if you're in Orange County and you look at the mountains and you just put your finger right in the middle and say, there's nobody there, that was me. And I come around a corner and I see this big yellow orange reflector. And I thought, wow, why would somebody put a roadside reflector on a fire road this far away from, you know, anything? And all of a sudden there was two, one side by side. And what I was doing is I was looking directly into the face of a mountain lion who was staring me down on the road about 20 yards apart. And I'm like, okay, this isn't good. And so we both stared each other down. And then all of a sudden the, the lion just turns around and it takes one hop and another hop and it disappears into the, into the underbrush. And I think, oh, this is really good. Now, he knows where I am. And I don't know where he is. <laughs> and so it took a while to get the courage to continue on. But it's it's been a weird, when you're in a place where there's no people, you see the weirdest things. Like I'm with a group of friends, same area, only now it's during the day. And it's a long descent in a shallow, like a shallow bowl. And there's a fire, there's, there's a fence on both sides of the fire road I'm on. And I'm going about, 25 miles an hour 20 miles an hour and i split a whole herd of deer and all the does take off to the right and the buck is on the opposite side on the left on the other side of the, of the barbed wire fence and i'm going 20 miles an hour on a downhill and he's running exactly the same speed i am and he's looking at me and he's looking at his girls and he's looking at the road and i can he's right next to me just and i'm just and i'm staring at him and he's looking i feel at me like i'm there with those sounds he's eyeing it up and he's, i'm just and, he's, and he and he just jumps huge jump in a straight line and he's his whole body turns into a spring and he just bounds over the barbed wire fence over me i can see his block and tackle and over the barbed wire fence on the other side and runs over and, and meets his girls. And I'm just like, oh, did I even see that? And I slam on the brakes and my friends comes. <laughs> and the first to arrive is this guy, Jim Figueroa. We call him Jim Fig. And he's like, I think. And I said, yeah, like it jumped right over me. It was it was that was probably about a 40 foot jump. And it was just effortless. I've never seen anything like it in my life. Like animals are amazing. That's cool. I guess I have an animal story if we keep going. It's a quick one. Yeah, tell it. Yeah, so I was riding home from work one night. I had a I had a headlamp on my helmet, kind of on like the little uh, wreck path, little gravel path in the woods. Pedaling home, and then you know just me out there. All of a sudden, I feel something on the back of my head, just like grab super hard, and you know obviously scared me. I turned around, and like I said, the headlamp is on the top of my helmet. I turned around, and there's an owl right there. Like (laughs) that owl had come down and grabbed the back of my helmet. And so when I turned, the owl was basically a foot away from my head, and he realized that I wasn't prey, and he took off. But that's super, amazing, Kaz. Yeah. Owls are owls are crazy. Yeah, I like owls. Yeah, they're really cool. You guys ever have just like a failed one? Like, I I did a not RC length ride, but still a pretty long ride back in my hometown one one year um, from the floor of the like the valley up to so it's called mount Kobau and it's just it's mostly fire road a little bit a little bit of single track but it's it's long enough i think it's probably like 60 70 kilometers off road from where i started and so i started at like four in the morning and i wanted to get up there for sunrise 
Um, and for most of the way up, everything was fine. I had lights, everything was good. But at some point, just the thought of cougars, because there's a lot of cougars around, hit my brain. And for the last, like, I don't know, hour and a half of the climb, I was just 100% convinced that there was something behind me. And I just buried myself getting to the top. Because it's like, I don't know, I'm, I'm just scared shitless. That that would have got you away from the cougar. Yeah, I know. Your right? climbing it's like the speed. Stupidest, I know. It's the stupidest cougars thing never ever. attack at the top of the mountain. No, I know. All of it, none of it made any sense. But I was just, yeah. It was Isn't really, it? really, really terrifying. And there was no reason for it. And got to the top, turned around, came back down, hit, hit the single track. Everything's fine. I never saw anything. But it's just, ugh, back in my head. Just creepy. So that's the scariest thing, I think, is when you can't see anything. I've had a, a similar thing where I had to, we were doing shuttle runs and the guy didn't, the other person didn't give me a ride up to my truck up this four by four road that was apparently too much for them. Anyways, so I had to run or walk the last like 15, 20 minutes up the sketchy road at the top of our mountain. And it was night because uh, we rode too late. And I swear to God, whatever it was followed me for about 10 or 15 minutes all the way up to my old ranger and i went from being like what is that noise to something's following me to i'm picking up a big rock and running and when you don't know what it is your brain it that's the scariest i was a, a full-grown man sprinting the last kilometer to my truck i could he- i could literally hear something in the bush though and i heard it the entire time i jumped in my truck Laid on the horn for about 30 seconds, a small amount of pee came out. No joke. Locked the doors. I literally thought I was dead. But when Is you that the title for this one? A small amount of pee came out? A sm- it could be. <laughs> or I literally thought I was dead. Either way. <laughs> yeah, when you can't see the things, man, that's that's the scary things. Because like Blair Witch, you can't see it. It's so yeah, scary. Like, for me, it was even dumber because I didn't have... There was nothing. I oh, heard it was a cougar. nothing. Yes, well, it was a cougar. It, it followed well, you from it. home. And it was going to eat you. <laughs> and and I, I was so scared that, again, a semi-fully grown human was singing. I was singing like shitty top 40 songs as loud at the top of my lungs, just burying myself up the hill. It was yeah. so dumb. So I, I ride by myself a lot, as I've said before. And I would say about, I don't know, three to four times a year... Uh, back in Chilliwack, the town I grew up in, there would be times where I'd be way out there and I'd be riding and I would be singing The Cat Came Back as loud as I could. That's my go-to song. Nice. I would just sing, the cat came back the very next day. They thought he was a goner, but the cat came back. He just wouldn't go. And I would just repeat it. And I've done that. Many times I've done that for 20 minutes until I got out onto a road. Oh, that's good. That's good Mike Levy trivia. Yeah, The Cat Came that, Back. That should be a podcast is what songs... What's your what's your go to song? Because everybody has one that, that goes back and forth in their head when they're either dying or their legs are dying or whatever. Oh God, how bad would it be? Yeah, insult to injury. If the last thing you do is singing "The Cat Came Back." Uh, the big cat jumps on you, right? Everybody's right. had bear stories, right? I mean, you come flying around the corner yeah. and there's a bear there. Yeah. I don't yeah. think the bears are like that's just. I'm not. I'm never afraid of getting eaten by a bear. Out here. I got charged by a bear last year here. Really? Yeah. I wouldn't say, I mean, it was, it went from like a hundred feet away to realistically 50 feet away. But yeah. I mean, it felt like it went from 20 feet away to one foot away. Was it a and, grizz? No, 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 no. It was, it was a little black bear. But 
Um, and that was, I think, the third day in a row I had seen what was likely the same bear in the same area. Hey, I want to end actually with a story that I've actually only told a few people this story. RC, I think I've told it to you once, um, but I've never really said it much to anybody. Um, Maybe because it happened and in my head, I'm like, I know what I saw. So that's, it's not UFO related, but so we was, we must've been 12 years old, maybe 13. My friend Ryan and I, or his parents would take us out and drop us off at this lake called Hicks Lake. Uh, it's about an hour away from where we lived. And they would literally leave us there for like eight or nine hours. This is back in the good old days. You know, we would just catch frogs and lizards and, all and nothing bad ever happened in the nineties. That's fine. Uh, lots bad of bad happened. things happened, but people didn't see it on the news 24 hours a day. So they weren't fucking scared about it. Anyways. Um, And so we would bring this big surfboard with us and we would sit on this surfboard and paddle across this lake. The lake had a little island to it. It's amazing stuff that like kids don't get to do anymore, you know? And so one day we're up there, they drop us off. We paddle across Hicks Lake. Um, We're on the other side of this lake and there's some reeds and stuff. And we pull the board up and we get out and we're walking in and we're just like literally kids walking in the forest, looking for bugs and frogs and shit. And we look up and both of us see something walking through the forest that's tall and brown. And we look at each other, don't say a single thing, turn around, walk back towards that surfboard fairly fast, get on it and paddle out into the lake to the other side. And we might've briefly said as kids like, Hey, what was that? That was weird. But we, for some reason, we literally never really talked about it again. We were too freaked out about it. And I, I know I saw something big and tall and I know that bears walk on their hind legs, but I don't necessarily believe in Bigfoot for the record, but I know I saw something weird. Something weird. Yeah. Wild. All right, everybody, we're going to end on my Bigfoot story or was it just a bear on back legs or was it an alien dressed as Bigfoot? I don't know. Episode 35 has been all about the strange things that we've seen on our bikes in the forest. And we want to hear your stories too. Put them in the comments below. And next podcast, I might read them out if there's a couple good ones in there. Tell us the crazy things you've seen on your bikes and make sure to give us a rating, but only rate us five out of five or don't even bother. All right, everybody. We'll see you next episode. (laughs) 